If you get a custom tailored suit, it's going to fit perfectly and make you look great. Think about that with a Noble First for your organization. No matter what the size of your company is, a Noble First will analyze your data and collaborate with you to custom tailor digital solutions so you can focus on making your organization grow. When it comes to data centric solutions specifically for your organization, choose a Noble First. A Noble First makes living simple. See for yourself at anoblefirst.com. E N N O B L E First.com. City. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Faith.com. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3 because this is going to help you in your marriage. This is really going to help you resolve some things and help in your own attitudes, man. And why do I say that? I don't know why, but I have honestly never seen this verse in my life. I can't recall. I mean, I'm sure I read this over and over again, Colossians 3, verse 19, but somehow it never dawned on me. I knew the first part of it. I didn't know the second part. It says, husband, love your wife. Husbands, love your wives. I knew that, but I have never it has never hit me that the next part says, and do not be embittered against them. Don't be bitter against your wife. And why would a husband be bitter towards his wife? Well, let me give you an example. She always makes me late for everything. I'm ready. I'm sitting in the car and she's still dressing. You know, you do that a few times and that builds a little bitterness. But you know what? You play her role for a while and you dress and feed four kids by yourself and then get yourself ready and you'll understand why she runs late. You understand that. Here you're sitting in the car and she's doing everything and you're getting bitter at her because you're late but you do some of the things that she does and I'm not excusing her being late. I'm just saying that there ought to be an understanding when you do some of these things and it'll keep you from being bitter. You'll, you'll say, hopefully, I, I didn't realize it was this rough. I need to help you. We need to both work as a team. Ouch. How many of us have been guilty of bitterness against our wives? I've talked with too many men for whom bitterness has just become an accepted fact of life. But it doesn't have to be that way. Understanding our wives can be quite a challenge. We are made differently. But every bit of understanding we gain pays tremendous rewards in improving our marriage relationships. Welcome to Verse by Verse, a teaching ministry that takes us verse by verse through the Word of God. Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and he has been pastoring at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for 25 years. We are in the middle portion of a message that is titled, The Husband's Responsibilities. And our topic today is Be a Learner and a Lover. In our last class, Steve was beginning to share some advice on ways that we men can learn to understand our wives better and therefore to better demonstrate our love for them. He will continue that thought when class resumes in just a moment. Now, if you have your Bible with you, please open it to Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's lesson. The first suggestion is listen to her when she's upset. Second suggestion is ask her questions. 
You're not a mind reader. You don't know unless she tells you and you've got to ask. Third suggestion is do some of the things your wife normally does to understand what she goes through. Stay with the children one night and let her go out. Do you know there are many men who don't let their wives go out? That's right. I find that horrible. Wife's been stuck home all day and she wants to go out, but this man can't stand cleaning diapers. I don't know anybody who loves cleaning diapers. You just do it. It'll do you some good to clean up some stinky diapers. And even if you're past the point of having little children who are in diapers, stay home. Let your wife go out. You stay home. Let's go back to the children. Stay with the children one night. Let her go out. How about letting her go out with some friends for a weekend? Men like to get away. They go to little conferences, little business things. Let your wife do that. And listen, you spend the day with the kids and you fix some hurts and give baths and settle quarrels and help with homework. And you might understand why at times she's a little cranky when you come home. See, you don't understand these things unless you have been in her shoes. Now, I'm not suggesting that a husband become Mr. Mom. But I am saying that until you you experience something of what she experiences and and taste something of her role on occasion, then you just won't understand her. And you won't fulfill 1 Peter 3. When you do understand what it means to be a woman and a wife, at least something, and a mother, and you'll better understand the way she does things and why she does things differently than you do. In fact, let's look at Colossians chapter 3, because this is going to help you in your marriage. This is really going to help you resolve some things and help in your own attitudes, men. And why do I say that? I don't know why, but I have honestly never seen this verse in my life. I can't recall. I mean, I'm sure I read this over and over again, Colossians 3, verse 19, but somehow it never dawned on me. I knew the first part of it. I didn't know the second part. It says, husband, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives. I knew that, but I have never, it has never hit me that the next part says, and do not be embittered against them. Don't be bitter against your wife. And why would a husband be bitter towards his wife? Well, let me give you an example. She always makes me late for everything. I'm ready. I'm sitting in the car and she's still dressing. You know, you do that a few times, and that builds a little bitterness. But you know what? You play her role for a while, and you dress and feed four kids by yourself, and then get yourself ready, and you'll understand why she runs late. You understand that. Here you're sitting in the car, and she's doing everything. And you're getting bitter at her because you're late, but you do some of the things that she does. And I'm not excusing for being late. I'm just saying that there ought to be an understanding when you do some of these things and it'll keep you from being bitter. You'll, you'll say, hopefully, I, I didn't realize it was this rough. I need to help you. We need to both work as a team. So that's a tremendous truth. Uh, so what are we saying? We're saying be a learner. Be a learner. That's what God commands husbands to, to be and to do. They are to understand and to be knowledgeable. It will not only enrich your marriage, it will enrich your spiritual life. Why do I say that? If you look back at 1 Peter 3, 7, the end of it says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Wow. What a tremendous, tremendous truth. You're, you mean, if I don't do this, my prayers will be hindered? That's right. In fact, you might as well stop praying. God's not going to answer your prayers, men, if you don't do this. You say, why would that be? Because if you don't do this, it's sin. 
And the Bible says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. This is sin to not obey this. This is not a suggestion. This is a command. Dwell with them according to knowledge. If you don't do this, forget about having a prayer life and having it answered, your prayers answered, because you have unrepented of sin in your heart. God says this is very, very serious. Very serious. Remember, the relationship of a husband and wife is a priority to him before all other relationships. In fact, in Ephesians 5, he'll say that that's a picture of Christ and his church. So you, you don't want to fool with this. You want to obey this. So be a learner. Secondly, a husband has another responsibility, and that is he's to be a lover. A lover. And we're not talking about sexual here. We're talking about to love and to care. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. And I'd like to read verse 25 through 33. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and his church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respects her husband. Now, three times in these verses, Paul tells husbands to love their wives. He says it in verse 25 at the beginning. He says it in verse 28. And he says it in verse 33. Why in such a short span of time would Paul have to say in God's state three times, men, husbands, love your wives? Well, it could be because a wife has a great need to be loved. It also could be that a husband often lacks love towards his wife, and probably both are the case here. Women need to be reassured of a husband's love, and husbands need to be reminded greatly to reassure their wives that they love them. You see, let me explain something, and I think this fits in the cultural background of the day and, and the Greek society of the day of the Ephesians. In the ancient Greek world, a wife was basically considered a piece of property. He married her, but not necessarily for love. Love wasn't the reason that you got married. She was to bear him legal children. She was to carry out domestic responsibilities. And if he loved her, he loved her. But that wasn't the norm. That wasn't why someone got married. It's not like today where a couple gets engaged and, they, and you say, why do you want to get married? Because we love one another. Back then, love had nothing to do with it. In fact, most men had concubines and prostitutes and other women but they needed a legal wife to bear them legal children, legal heirs. And so it wasn't the norm. It wasn't expected that love would be a part of this. So the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Spirit of God, says that now that you are a Christian, you're a new creature in Christ, you're a new man, you, Christian husband, you are commanded to love your wife, something new. I assume that there were men, pagans, who loved their wives, but it was not the norm. It was not 
part of society. But here Paul is saying, no, this is a command. You are to love them. Now, what does this mean? I don't think many men have a clue, especially Christian men, have a clue as to what real love is because there are many Christian men who are so busy telling their wives what it means to submit to them that they haven't thought through their own responsibility. And I want you to say a word about that. Do you realize, gentlemen, that the Bible never commands a husband to tell his wife to submit to him? You can look high and low. The Bible doesn't say, husbands, tell your wives to submit. And the Bible says wives ought to submit, but it doesn't tell the husband to tell his wife to submit. But it does command the husband to love her. You leave God. You let God do the telling of your wife to submit, and you just love her. That's your responsibility, not to preach to her and tell her how unsubmissive she is to you. Your responsibility is to love her. That's what God tells you to do. You love her. Now, the reason I know that many men and women, I might add, don't know what it means to love is because as a pastor, I have had many couples come to me over the years. I should say some, not many. I don't want to sound like this happens every week. But over the period of time, couples will tell me that I just don't love her anymore. I just don't love him anymore. I once had feelings, but I don't have those feelings. They're gone. They're gone. I I once did, but now there are no feelings. What do you say in a situation like that? If somebody comes to you, says, well, I, you know, we've been friends for years, but I have to tell you that I don't love my wife anymore. I don't have those feelings. What do you say? I'll tell you what I say. Well, you may not have those feelings, so now you'll just have to learn to love her. You'll just have to learn how to love her, regardless of your feelings. What? What do you mean, learn to love? You see, love has nothing to do with feelings. Love is giving yourself to another person. It's something we choose to do. It's a choice we make, regardless of how we feel. Love is an attitude that manifests itself in doing something for someone else, something beneficial. How do I know that? Well, for one thing, that's how the Bible defines it. For God so loved the world that what? He gave. He gave. Do you think that Jesus felt like going to the cross? In fact, we know, you study the episode in the Bible about the Garden of Gethsemane. He didn't feel like going to the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave, that he gave his son. We'll get back to class in just a minute. Isn't it amazing how our feelings can follow our actions? You know, we live in a society that seems to demand that we do what we feel like doing. If it feels good, do it. Follow your heart. We're surrounded by those kinds of concepts, ideas that would have our actions follow our feelings rather than the reverse. Yet Scripture shows us that we do not need to be slaves to our feelings. Now, if you've just tuned in, we're listening to Verse by Verse, a radio class taught by pastor teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida for 25 years. If you missed the beginning of this message, or if you'd just like to hear it again, the entire message is available in either real audio format or as a podcast on our website, versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Now let's return to today's lesson. It's titled, Be a Learner and a Lover. Have your Bible open to Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 19. Here's Pastor Steve. How about the Bible verse that says that we are to love our enemies? Do you have any feelings for your enemies? I don't. I don't have any feelings for my enemies. 
fact, I have the wrong feelings for my enemies. I don't have positive feelings. How could God tell us to love your enemies if it's based on feeling? You can't just whip up feelings and say, oh, now I feel loving. You can't do that. That's an emotion that's kind of out of your control. But you can control what you do. Therefore, love, or God, I should say, commands us to love because we can do it. God will never command us to do something we can't do. And you can't whip up good feelings. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, which just sort of illustrates this towards our enemies. Romans 12, verse 19 to the end of the chapter Speaking about enemies, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. That is, don't you get back at somebody. Let God deal with them if they've wronged you. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is to say, here's how you treat an enemy. You do something good for that person. Paul never said you have to feel good about it. You've got to wait till you have good emotional feelings and then do something. No, the Apostle Paul just said, do something that would be beneficial for your enemy. Do something. And Jesus said in Matthew 5, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully take advantage of you and curse you and so forth. So all that I'm saying is that love is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling that you just whip up. And that's the way it is in a marriage where you apply real love. A husband may have little feelings or no feelings for his wife. It could be the other way around too, but we're addressing the husbands now. But if he gives of himself to her to meet her needs, it's a choice, an act of the will, then listen, he will eventually feel differently about her. You just do what's right, men, and your feelings will catch up with your right choices. You will feel differently about an enemy, about a wife, about a husband. You just choose to love, and the feelings eventually will be there. Don't base things on feelings. Don't think they're around the corner, but eventually you'll have better feelings. But that's not the issue. The issue is love does what's right. Love gives and does something beneficial. Now, specifically, how does a husband love his wife. There are two ways that the Apostle Paul tells a husband in Ephesians 5 to love his wife. Number one is found in, in verses 28, 29, and 30. Notice, he says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. A man is to love his wife as his own body. Why? Because she's one with her husband. That's Genesis 2. You got married, two became one. That's why, by the way, he quotes in verse 31, For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother, shall cleave to his wife, the two shall become one flesh. So they're one. A husband and a wife's relationship is so intimate and so close that she's like his own body. And therefore, he's to treat her as he does his own body. Gentlemen, how do you treat your body? How do you treat your body? When you cut yourself, I mean, I'm not talking about a, a, a little cut. When you really have a cut that's bleeding, what do you do? You take care of it. You wash it out. You put on whatever you need to. If it's deep enough, you bandage it. You don't let that thing just go on and, and infection get in there. What do you do when you're dirty? Take a shower. Take care of your body. What do you do when you're hungry? 
You don't say, I don't care about this body. I'm going to let it so it wants to go hungry. Let it go hungry. You don't do that. You feed it. When you're tired, what do you do? You sleep. When you're ill, what do you do? You take medication. You go to a doctor. You take care of yourself. That's natural. Every normal, mentally normal person does that. Now, the point is that you know how to take care of yourself. That's what verse 29 says. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes, cherishes it. We take care of our bodies. Some of us pamper our bodies. Well, the point is that if we know how to take care of our own bodies, and we do, and we do that, in the same way we're to take care of our wife and her needs. What are her needs? We're to protect her, provide for her, satisfy her, give her understanding, give her security, give her a listening ear, give her our time, give her our energy, and all the other things that would fall in those categories. Does Christ meet every need of the church? Absolutely. Not the wants of the church, but every need of the church. Because Paul said, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. Therefore, a husband is to meet the needs, all the needs of his wife, not the wants. There's a difference between needs and wants, legitimate needs. He is to meet her needs. That's the way we are to love our wives. And that's, that's a high standard. With the same consideration you give to your body, you need to give that to your wife. That is a high standard, but there's even a higher standard of love than our own bodies. Verse 25. This is the second way we are to love our wives. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. In the same way that Christ loves the church, husbands are to love their wives. How can this be? How can this be? We're, we're frail, sinful creatures. How can I love my wife the way the perfect Son of God loves the church? Well, we can't do it apart from the Spirit of God controlling us and working in our lives. And that's why, as you go back a few verses, the context is 518 of Ephesians. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. When I'm filled with the Spirit, which means to be under His control as I obey the Word of God, as I'm controlled by the Spirit of God, I can love my wife as Christ loves the church. If that wasn't possible then God would never command this. This is a command. So it must be that I can do it if I'm controlled by the Spirit of God. And even though I fail and Christ never fails, this is still the goal. If I fail, I need to continue. This is still the goal. This is the standard. A man once came to a very well-known Bible teacher and he said, I have a serious problem. I love my wife too much. Wouldn't you ladies like your husbands to say that? And this well-known Bible teacher says, well, uh, do you love your wife as much as Christ loves the church? He said, well, of course not. He said, well, then you don't love her enough. That's the standard, as Christ loves the church. So how does Christ love the church? If we know how he demonstrates his love for the church, then we can know something of how we are to demonstrate our love for our wives. So let me give you some ways that he loves the church. Man, you got your pen ready? Okay, the men eventually are going to hate me. I know that. I'm a marked man. I realize that. But after, in a few weeks, the ladies are going to hate me too. So it all balances out. Men, if you don't have a pen handy, you now have time to find one. We have nearly come to the end of our time for class today. When we return next week, Pastor Steve will tell us 
of some of those ways in which Christ shows his love for the church. Now, do you love your wife as much as Christ loves his church? That is a question we would do well to ask ourselves and to ask it periodically as we go through life. May God help us daily to be better learners and more loving as he leads us along our paths through the great adventure of marriage. May he help you to make your marriage relationship a joyful image of the relationship between Jesus Christ and his church. Don't forget that you can order a CD of this lesson by calling 727-239-0306. That's 727-239-0306. Please leave your name and a phone number. and We'll return your call during weekday office hours. While you're leaving the message, you might also ask our staff to send you a copy of the verse-by-verse journal. Our web address is versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. On the website, you can hear this lesson again and find a podcasting opportunity. If you are visiting Clearwater, Florida, or are new to the area and looking for a church home, we invite you to come see us at Lakeside Community Chapel, 1893 Sunset Point Road in Clearwater. We are located midway between U.S. 19 and the beach. This program is a presentation of Verse by Verse Ministries. Verse by Verse is a faith ministry that depends on the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been supportive of their local church. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure of follow-up Hypnotic and Cognac Wayne heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play, and... Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's Tropical Fruit Finish. Shaken, strained, poured, it was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. (laughs) 